let us have a word of prayer and then we'll read the holy book. Father, help us to hear. Father, help us to see. Father, let us not focus on others. Let us focus on ourselves as we understand that we are being transformed. Father, as we understand that the image that is projected should be the image of Christ and Christ alone. Father, help us to hear these awesome words. Father, help us to bow before your word in selflessness. Father, may we die to self-will. Father, may we embrace fully you and you alone, clinging to the author and the finisher of our faith. To your praise, to your glory, in Christ's name, amen. Love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. We're looking at love. God's definition of love. And I've shared with you over and over in the Bible, God doesn't define love. He describes love. It's always a verb. It's an action. It's something that is seen and that is manifested. Uh, it was funny. Um, I was going back through some notes that I'd taken actually a few years ago. And it used to be common practice um, here and in Europe that uh, when a person died, um, they would put an inscription on the tombstone of the people would think of this person and they'd put these epitaphs on tombstones. Somebody had asked me a few years ago, what would I have on my tombstone? And I said, bye. <laughs> I'm, you know, dude, if that's the only thing you can do to remember me as a piece of granite, then Bye. Um, but I had two here that I had found that I thought were funny. They come out of England. And uh, I think it says more than what you will perceive. The first one says this on the tombstone. Here lies a miser who lived for himself and cared for nothing but gathering wealth. Now where he is or how he fares, nobody knows and nobody cares. There was another one outside of uh, St. Paul's Cathedral that said, Sacred to, to the memory of General Charles George Gordon, who at all times and everywhere gave his strength to the weak, his substance to the poor, his sympathy to the suffering, and his heart to God. I myself believe that I should go with what Ben Franklin said about the epitaph on your tombstone, write it yourself. Perhaps that's better. That's where I'll leave mine as. Bye.
We're looking at love, facets of love, 15 facets of love. And I want to review quickly. Love is patient. It is long-suffering. It, do, it has nothing but forgiveness in it all the time. It cannot, you cannot offend it. Love is willing to spend itself completely on another. Absolutely. Expend itself to zero. But love is also kind. Love is useful. That's the root word for kind. It is useful. Even when it's offended, it becomes useful for the person who has offended. It's an interesting concept. That's why when you think about love, you think about fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit, singular. Fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. It can't be done by man. It's impossible. It's impossible. Because when you're wrong, you might forgive once. When you're wrong, you might forgive twice. Maybe three times, maybe even seven times. But at some point, what will happen? I'm not going to tolerate it anymore. So it is useful, even when it is offended. Love is not jealous. It is not jealous. It does not wish... It it doesn't look at other people and say, why do they have that? Why do they get to do that? Why are they allowed that privilege? Why are they that successful? Why are they not that successful? Why do they get to that? Not only that, it doesn't go beyond that and say they don't even deserve that. That's jealousy. Love does not brag. A literal term means it's not a windbag. It's not full of hot air. Love doesn't talk of itself. The person who is led by the Spirit of God is not telling anybody else about themselves. Because it comes out of the next one, love is not arrogant. See, it is out of the arrogance, the puffed-upness of the individual, that the hot air comes out. Love can't do that. Why? Love is not arrogant. Love does not speak of itself. Love does not worry about itself. Love, it's like the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul believed he had no rights. None. He had no privileges. He had no abilities. And therefore, how could you offend him? You couldn't. It's impossible. I'm due nothing. I am owed nothing. So how are you going to hurt me? But how are you going to cheat me if I deserve nothing? You can't cheat me. It does not act unbecomingly. Unbecomingly. Um, it has manners. If you find something that offends a person, then don't do it. And I mean, it can be something like slurping your soup. I just don't like you to slurp your soup. All right, I'll go in here and eat. <laughs> no, all right, that's the only way I know how to get it down. Uh, but anyway, uh, or I guess you want me to fast. No problem. It, but it, it, it doesn't. It, it doesn't. It isn't rude. It doesn't. It, it, it goes back to that. I will not do anything to cause you to stumble. And if that hurts your feelings, then I won't do it. I won't do it. Interesting, isn't it? It does not take into account logimas. Logimas. It does not keep a record of wrongs. It's the same term that God uses for children of God that come to salvation. There is no record of their wrong. When God opens His ledger for a Christian, He looks in there and He sees but one word. Righteous. Righteous. 
Which sins are forgiven in a Christian? All of them. Even the ones they don't even know they're about to commit. Doesn't keep a record. Doesn't keep a record. Last week we looked at does not rejoice in unrighteousness. Unrighteousness. It doesn't rejoice in sin, even to the point of gossiping. It does not speak of another person's evil. doesn't speak of it. Why? It's sin. It's unrighteousness. Iniquity in some translations. It has no part of that. It doesn't want to talk about it. All right, and it, it, it can be that of the pagan people running around telling jokes uh, to the Christian. Uh, I, I see Christians who like to brag about another person's iniquity because it makes them look a little more holy. I don't do that. I don't do that. But then we move into this one here, and it's interesting here because I, I went back in different directions to try to find out this comparison and why is it worded this way it says that it does not rejoice in unrighteousness but rejoices with the truth why doesn't he compare it rejoices with righteousness that's just the way I am I mean you guys would say well that makes sense what's the matter with you He's comparing the two, he's contrasting the two, and he's, this is where we get into the positives of love, what love does, because we've been looking at what love doesn't. Why not righteousness? Why doesn't love rejoice with righteousness? Because righteousness is based on what? The word here in your translation, it may say in truth, or with truth, depending on your translation. New American Standard translates it with truth. Then King James has in truth. Okay, it's the same word in the Greek. It's not two different words. I believe the correct translation is with truth. Because there's two things that are seen here. Two things. See, you can't be righteous until you behave in accordance with what? God's truth. Well, that sounds like works. Yeah, it does. But it also sounds like the Bible. Okay? When you think about the word righteous or righteousness, just think about this word, right standing. Okay? I'm standing in the right place. Okay? What place is that? For a Christian, the right place is... Christ. It's Christ. That is truth. All right? So I, I want you, the reason that I say that it should be with truth is because these two things we must see. Love only, now please hear this, love only rejoices with truth as it is taught and lived. That's why I say with. It's not in truth. I know a whole bunch of people who teach truth. But they don't live in it. They don't live in it. See, love only rejoices with truth taught and lived. 
Okay, now some of you are going to start thinking, well, is that, you know, I don't see that in that text. I have one, don't worry. I'll defend my stance. I'm just not saying, oh, that's the way I read it. Here's what I want you to think. This morning we started our Sunday school class and I started teaching on false teachers and everybody's wondering, what in the heck is he talking about salvation? Where do you think false teacher is going to be? What's he going to hit first? He's going to tell you a different way to go to heaven. Right? And everybody's, you know, and I've seen a couple of your looks on your face like, I thought we were going to teach on false teachers. And all you keep talking about is a narrow gate and a broad gate. And I'm, I've read that. Really? Let me show you something that love is. Love cannot, hear me well, cannot rejoice with error. It's impossible. Love cannot rejoice with false teaching. Love cannot tolerate wrong doctrine. Wrong doctrine. Now I can stop right there and probably have some people walking out of here because we hear the people. Well, we don't want to make an issue out of what they believe. We just want to love them. This is the foundation of what is called the ecumenical movement. All kinds of people getting together in the name of love. We just need to love everybody. Okay, in light of this text, how do I, how do we compromise ourselves with people who do not believe in the Word of God? How do I do that? In the, in the way that we know what is true. Let me ask you a question. How do you become sanctified, cleansed? How? Do you know what is taught? There's only one way to be sanctified. Did you know that? Did you know that there was only one way you could get saved? Uh, Maybe. No, 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 no. It's not a neat story. It's not an emotional event. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is what? The power of God to salvation. So how do you get saved? Listening to a great football player who came to salvation? A basketball player? A movie star? How do you get saved? Listen, if you came to salvation under a really cool story, ask yourself a question. Are you saved? What? But I I said the prayer. I said it twice. I said it once in front of a preacher. I repeated exactly what he's told me to say. How do you get sanctified? Do you know becoming sanctified, cleansed, is as narrow as salvation? 
Did you know that? Sanctify them with truth. Okay. Oh, then he defines it. Your word is truth. How do you make your decisions? I mean, your little decisions, your big decisions. Well, but I think, preacher, doesn't it say that we are instructed by the word of God to love them? The word says love them. Your one says it's the Bible thing. Here's my answer. Love rejoices with the truth. That is on the basis upon which love can work. Love cannot work without truth. Love cannot rejoice outside of truth. Let me ask you a question. Can you embrace, can, can you love someone who teaches contrary to the word of God? Try this one. Can you embrace, can you love someone who lives a life that does not behave according to truth? Everybody's like, man, this is depressing. I thought I was going to have a good Labor Day weekend. Love will rejoice when truth is taught. Love will rejoice when truth is lived, and you'll see it. Did you hear what I said? Love will rejoice. You know what rejoice is, right? Woohoo! When truth is taught, love will go woohoo! When truth is lived, love will go woohoo! Listen, it will not rejoice when those are absent. Here's the problem with, with truth. It has to be taught before it can be lived. And let me tell you something. Believe me, if you don't believe anything I ever say, the slightest compromise with truth will take the joy out of love. Do you hear me? The slightest compromise with truth will take the joy out of love. Listen, I may love you, but when you teach error, I will not rejoice. I may love you, but when you live error, I will not rejoice. And what you'll see is life will be lived on the basis of what they claim as truth. If they're living in error, you know their doctrine is wrong. It's that simple. You can't... That's why some of you say, well, golly, he gets so excited if it's just off a little bit. Off a little bit. Off a little bit is heaven or hell. That's off a little bit. Okay, so, whoops, I missed. Missed? You just condemned a soul to hell. That ain't a miss, man, an oops. How do I rejoice in that? 
We've seen a number of scandals here lately in, in the evangelical community. And everybody says, well, how did this happen? What did they teach? It's easy. I see how it happens. It's not hard. What did they teach? They didn't teach the Bible because they didn't live truth. You cannot rejoice. And the slightest, you cannot rejoice in the absence of truth or in the absence of a life lived in truth. All right? And the slightest compromise, please hear me well on this, robs that joy. That joy is gone. Okay, now I've laid that out. Everybody says, well, I think it's your opinion. Great. I thought you'd never say that. Turn to Second John. Okay. Second John. That's like First John, Second John, Third John, Revelations. Okay, little bitty books in the back. 377. Gosh, my Bible's got some problems. Pages are falling out. Second John, verse 6. Okay, I want to give you the context of what I'm going to teach on. Okay, what does he say? And this is love. Here we go again. It's not defined. It is described. He says this is love. It is an action. It looks like something. All right, cool. I think this is helpful to us. I think this will help us extensively. Because the right context is what? This is love. All right, I'm in. What does it say? That we walk according to his commandments. Uh Uh-oh. He's not saying be a legalist. He's not saying be a Pharisee. He says, if you love, you do what? You walk according to his commandments. It's not a feeling. It's not an attitude. You know what it is? It's obedience to truth. Did you get that? This is love. Obedience to truth. That's love. Look what he says. Walk according to his commandment. This is the commandment. Just as you have heard. Listen, you should have heard this at the moment of your salvation. What is love? This is love. You've heard it. What you've heard, what should you do? Walk in it. You know what I mean? When he uses the words phrase like walk in it, most of us in this room have been walking for a few months few years, right? And when we walk, do you think about it that I'm going to pick up my right foot, bend my knee right there, I'm going to put my heel down, I'm going to let it roll out, and then I'm going to stand and I'm going to roll a toilet and pick up my left. No, when you walk, you just do it, don't you? It is what you would call second nature. All right, now what is it? the context? This is love. Walk in what you've heard. Let it be second nature to you, what you heard. Okay? This is love. Obedience, living in the truth. See how you got the two? Love rejoices when truth is taught, and love rejoices when truth is walked. I like that. I really like that. 
Love isn't disregarding the truth. Love isn't saying, oh, well, it doesn't really matter what you believe. It doesn't matter how you live. We love everybody anyway. No. That's not what the Bible teaches. It's never taught that. Love walks after the word of the Lord. It says, there's the word of the Lord. Let's go. Look backwards at your list. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, does it? No, it is selfless, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. It is patient. Just go backwards through it. And you don't say, well, but I've got three out of five. But I'm working on the other two. No. You're taking truth and you're saying what? It doesn't apply to me. Well, what if somebody kind of varies a little bit? You know, I kind of worship my own ways. Do I really have to be in church and all the rest of it? What does it say? It uses a word there that you and I just don't like. It's that word. Okay, you need to edit this out of the recording. Commandment. It doesn't say, well, what do you think? No. You walk in obedience to the commandment which you have heard. Well, I was thinking, no, 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 no. What if I very, no? Mm -mm. Okay, now, do you see what the context is? What is love? Walk what you've heard. Well, what if there's a variance? Look what verse 7 says. I didn't write it. Verse 7 hurts your feelings. For many, what? What does it say? Deceivers. Okay, listen. You either have truth or you have... What's the opposite? A lie. Truth or a lie. Therefore, you either walk in the truth or you are... A deceiver. I didn't write it. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? Everybody's like, man, he seems harsh today. No, that's what John said. Many deceivers have gone out into the world. Those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh, these are deceivers and they are antichrist. Okay, you know what antichrist is, right? Against Christ. Many deceivers have entered the world. They're even to the point where they'll doubt the incarnation. Let me tell you something. If you live, if you are not rejoicing when truth is taught, what did you just say about Christ? It's not true. It isn't a person saying, I just don't believe he came in human flesh form. No, 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 no. That is what is being said. But at a time a person does not rejoice in truth, what are they rejoicing in? A lie. you got two options here. I like it. I don't like complicated decisions. I like it when you have A or B. I mean, that sounds kind of odd, but it's just a lot easier. Okay? And they will become anti-Christ. You know what that means, right? 
It's not, you know, he's going to stand in the temple and claim to be God. No, 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 no. There's one going to be doing that. But it is against Christ. Anytime the Bible says something, you don't walk to it. What do you say? I'm against Christ. I'm against Christ. Look what he says next. Verse 8. Watch yourselves. I like it when... Those are one of those words. It's like, therefore, or beware, (laughs) or watch yourself. Those are the words that I like. Ooh, pay attention to the rest. Watch yourselves, what? That you do not lose what you have accomplished. That you, but that you may receive a full reward. Hmm. Watch out. Look to yourselves that you don't lose your reward when you start messing with that stuff. You start messing around with this, you can lose your reward. You can lose what you've accomplished. See, there are those who don't remain in truth, the doctrine of Christ. They don't remain there. They don't stay there. Why? They may know it. They may have been exposed to it, but they walk away from it. He says, don't mess with them, people. Don't mess with them. Look at verse 10 says. Uh, well, look at verse 9. Anyone who goes too far, it literally means uh, it goes ahead. Anybody who goes ahead of what has been given, given and does not, and in the New American Standard it says remain. It literally means or, or, it, to abide. It literally means to remain. Any person who doesn't remain in this, what? Teaching of Christ. Guess what? Does not have God. What does that mean? They're not saved. They're not saved. Okay. What was the context? And this is love. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? When I say love rejoices with truth, do you see why I say it's with and not in truth? There are people who are in truth who do not have God. And then look at the truth. They read it, the truth. I think it's the word of God, truth. Yeah, but so what? Didn't he have grace and mercy in her new every day? That's scary stuff. They don't remain in truth. They do not have God. The one who remains, the one who abides in the teaching. Did you see that? has both the Father and the Son. You know, I've had people say, well, you know, I go, I've been to your church a couple of times and I'm just amazed that all your people bring their Bibles and they're flipping pages and it's kind of weird and never say anything like that. Can you come to my church and teach my people how to flip their Bibles and bring their Bibles and stuff? And I smile at them and they think I'm being condescending when I say, just get them saved. Well, they're saved. Then why don't they bring their Bibles? Why, why, why don't they bring their Bibles? 
Because love, fruit of the Spirit, rejoices in what? That would be the Bible. Okay, and it, well, you know, there's more truth out there than just in the Bible. Are you smart enough to know the difference? Because if you don't know what this says, I guarantee you, you will buy the lie that comes down the pike. I know what this says sometimes. And then there's times I back away and say, I'm clueless. I don't know. But you know what? I ain't moving from here until I figure it out. Well, you seem kind of, nope, I ain't going nowhere and you can't make me. I'm scared to death. Mm Mm-mm. But it just sounds, nope. I don't care what it sounds like. I don't even care if you sing it. Listen, love is no excuse for indiscriminate behavior in regards to truth. It's not an excuse. The one who abides, the one who remains in the teachings. Okay, what is that? That's the 66 books of the Bible. That should be a thrill for us. That should be a thrill. The first time I ever went to Russia, I'll never forget it. The sun was just coming up. Um, it was in the spring and it was, golly, it was cold. And everywhere I looked was piles of snow, piles and piles and piles and piles of snow. I mean, huge piles. To, to walk from the little apartment thing I was staying in over to the church, you had this, look, he looked like he was in some kind of trench warfare, except it was all snow and you just walked around this trench. I just kept piling it up, piling it up. I thought, no wonder you people all look gloomy. Uh, but I didn't say that out loud, but I just sit there and go, man, this is, and it was cold. It was really cold. And I looked out and the sun came up and then it was getting to be about that time, about eight o'clock. And I started walking, looking outside and there's one car in the parking lot, one car. Okay. And I started watching as it got brighter and brighter and brighter. And now it's cold. I'm not, I don't get, don't get me wrong. It's, this is one of them. Don't stick your tongue on the little bar. Um, you'd be like the movie. Um, but I watched it and I started watching it as it got brighter and brighter. I started watching these people coming from all of these apartment buildings and down sidewalks. And I mean, this is miserable stuff, people. By 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, all that snow that you were walking on is some kind of slush. Uh, and it's it just wet. I mean, you stand and literally the water, the snow melted will be ankle deep. Okay, and I was watching these people all bundled up coming and you could see them coming around this corner. Coming. Now, I couldn't see the whole church, but I could see them coming from the end that I was in. And I'd see them coming through there. And I thought, well, how cool is that? That, you know, in, in America, it's too hot. It's too cold. Well, now it's too nice to go to church. I mean, all you're going to do is what? Bring truth. I got up, I got dressed, and I walked across with this little trench thing and all the rest of it. And I walked in, and you have to go up the stairs to the auditorium. It's got a balcony. And I walked in there. This place probably had 400 people stuck in it. I mean, they were just packed in. We get separated. We're going to have a little more room. I don't want to sit next to somebody. I mean, what if they get doing the amen thing? I mean, I won't feel as spiritual. Okay. I preached, started preaching my first sermon, and in the balcony, I could see this stuff. It looked like confetti falling out of the balcony. I thought, what in the world? But, you know, and that's hard. They, they always tell me, as a preacher, don't be distracted. And sometimes, that's hard. <laughs> I mean, everybody says, well, I could see the facial expressions. You know what? I can see your facial expressions, especially when you're sleeping. And I'll let you sleep, but you start drooling, I'm waking you. And I'll do it from the pulpit. But anyway... I started watching this and I couldn't believe it. And then you see these 
this confetti was being passed forward. And I thought, what the heck is that? And what it was is when I got done, we prayed. I started to walk down off of the, the little platform thing. And the guy says, no, no. Yet, yet. Uh-oh. <laughs> now I've done it. And he's, this guy walks up. He's got all of these pieces of paper with notes, questions that the people wanted me to answer. And I spent two hours after preaching for about an hour and 15 minutes, which was after the other Russian guy who had preached for about an hour and 15 minutes. Why? They rejoice in truth. And then they walk out and they live it. Love operates in the area of the commandments. Love operates in that place. Okay. Well, what happens if they vary a little bit? It isn't that big a deal. Verse 10, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, what does it say next? Now, I didn't write this. It says, do not receive him in your house and do not even give him a greeting. Yeah, it seems cranky. I don't want you to come into my house. Listen, I have in my life and what I've witnessed and what I see in Scripture, one of the things that I have seen, love responds towards the people who teach truth. Do you know what I'm talking about? A person is teaching truth. There is a unison that goes there. You know, I've heard people say, well, Terry has managed to take the Russian people and they have personality likenesses and they kind of hang. And No, we have a love for one another because we both have the same response to truth. When truth is preached, even if it's in Russian, there's a joy that is there. Love rejoices in those who teach the truth and live the truth. It rejoices. It's happy. Listen, love is not indiscriminate at anybody or anything who just happens to throw out the word God or Jesus. I mean, that's the thing now. We're in a political cycle and everybody's starting to bless God and Jesus and hallelujah and I'll go to church. And and, and I'm sitting there going and everybody, are we that stupid? And then it dawned on me, yeah. Oh, shoot. I remember when Michael Jordan won his first NBA championship and they had the camera on him and there's champagne squirting all over the place and he's got this big goofy looking basketball trophy and he stops everybody and says the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, I will be done. And everybody's like, Michael Jordan is a Christian. Really? Why'd he leave his wife? Why does he gamble $25,000 a hole in golf? I don't think so. Well, but you understand he gets... No, 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 no. Because a person can recite that text, no don't mean anything. You know, a newspaper will give you that text when they bury your loved one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And, uh, you know, hey, I'm, he, these people must be saved. No, they're not. 
The Bible is specific and stern in dealing with sin and behavior and in doctrine. Do you know that if they taught false doctrine in the Old Testament, do you know what they would do to them? We had a pastor from a charismatic church in the south and a conservative church in the north. Both of them were turned in by their homosexual partners. I was talking to the Russian brother on that. You know what they said that we should do? Kill them. And I'm thinking, yeah, that'll work. <laughs> I'll be over here with you all the time. Because <laughs> I don't think we got an extradition thing going on. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? The teaching of the truth and the living of the truth should cause the Christian to woohoo! Alright, that's sort of like the negative side of this. The positive side. It rejoices in truth. See, what love does instead of parading evil of somebody, love finds the good and talks of that. Okay? I mean, I can look at the church today and think, oh my God, we've missed the rapture. I mean, there's time. But I said, well, it has been 10 years and that's supposed to be seven. I'm thinking we didn't make it. I love to be around people who are in the positive side. In the positive side. Now listen, there's times when people say, well, you don't ever act like that. Listen, if I'm around a pastor and the pastor is living or teaching error, I'm going to come down on them like a ton of bricks and I will be merciless. Okay? And I mean that. If a person is in a teaching position and they are screwing it up, they're going to wish Satan was in the room with them. Okay? Why? Because you're dealing with the eternal destiny of souls. It isn't like, well, I misdiagnosed. Or, you know, he had a tumor in the left leg and I cut the right one off. Oops. My insurance will pay for it. Okay? Listen, if you're leading people to the gates of hell, I'm going to jump up and down and scream. That's wrong. Oh, you're just being divisive. I hope so. I hope so, because I'm going to stand before Jesus and give an account. So why'd you let that idiot go? I is your idiot. <laughs> so be careful. All right. The average Christian, you know what? I asked this question when we started this text. Is the church ignorant of spiritual gifts? Why? Because the morons are out there doing what? And we're going to follow that. That sounds good. No. No. So there's a battle. So if I take the average Christian and say, do you believe in tongues? Yeah, I got that's there. I've seen them all over the place. Right? Yeah, yeah. All right. 
but what I've learned is most people just don't know. So we help them. And I like to be around the people where you can encourage them. I like to see what is good. I want so much in my life to be a plus person. Okay, you know what? I come from a checkered past, my wife said. It's more of like a plaid, but checkered works too. And I thought for sure at my salvation that God's going to put me back in with the scooter trash and the dope dealers and stuff like that, and it'd be great. Okay, you know where he put me? Amongst the Pharisees. I want the scooter trash. I told him I want the scooter trash. I can relate to those people. We can talk. He says, but the Pharisees have their own form of righteousness that ain't mine. And I need someone to say, hello, that don't work. And it's as simple as this. I sat in a pastor's meeting one time. A group of pastors were all sitting there. And they were explaining that as the pastors go, the church will go. And I said, really, what happened to the church in Corinth? What happened to the church in Ephesus? Who was the pastor of the church in Thessalonica? Well, I never thought about that. No, that's not true. God will do what God wants to do when God wants to do it, however he wants to do it. And we just get to be a part of it. It may be condemnation. It may be exaltation. Here in the temporal. When it's concluded, it will be an exaltation. You stand before God saying, I did what? Walked in the commandments that I have heard. God will be exalted. Okay, we don't have to run around being heretic hunters. Okay, there are positives out there. And if you find them, would you please direct me to them? No, (laughs) I'm ready. A plus person and a minus person. A minus person subtracts from people. Their reputation, um, their actions and stuff like that. It's easy to sit around and put people down. Well, you know, he don't pray. How do you know? He ain't got no calluses on his knees. What? We should just be adding. We bring truth to bear. Listen, don't compromise truth. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying bring truth to bear in a positive way. Listen, if Jesus saw potential in Peter, I'm thinking Jesus is a plus person. What do you think? All right? Listen, many of us would have fired Peter way before we get to the denial part. Okay, and even when when Peter denied Christ three times, what does Jesus' response? He restored him. We like to condemn him. Line him up. Let's get him. But how many of us are in line to restore them? The immoral woman washed Jesus' feet. I shared this with you with the jar of alabaster, uh, alabaster jar, and cried on it. Jesus saw the good that was in her. Go and sin no more. What did the Pharisee see? They didn't see nothing. The half-breed Samaritan at the well. Many husbands. What did Jesus say? Do you know that that was the first person that Jesus ever shared the gospel with? Half-breed Samaritan? Considered the most vile creature on the planet by the Jewish people. They were worse than a Gentile. That's the positive of love. It encourages goodness. 
How does it do it? Truth. Keeps bringing truth. Finds the best in that person and exalts that. I hope we teach our children that. See, love looks for the truth. Love looks for true behavior. And when it finds it, you know what it does? Isn't it easy to be negative? I mean, you just turn the TV on, you're like, Ugh. I mean, I watched a baseball game the other night, and then this guy was p- pitching his brains out, best pitching thing I've ever seen in the Colorado Rockies, and in the bottom of the eighth, he gives up a three-run homer, and I'm sitting there going, oh, my God. It's nothing to nothing, now it's three to nothing, and I can't believe it. I turned it off and was bummed out. Turned the news on the next day. Rockies win seven to three in the tenth. What? What? It's so easy to get negative. Especially when you're watching the Rockies. No. (laughs) Love is always looking for truth. Why? Because truth has the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God in that truth has now been able to bear the fruit of what? Love. And we, you and I will see Love working its way out. Listen, anybody thinks they've arrived, all I do is just love, 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 love. Listen, love is so selfless. It never gets irritated or upset. It is so concerned of the welfare of another that it never keeps the books on evil done to it. It is also so zealous for the holiness of God and the health of a person that it never rejoices in unrighteousness. It won't even mention it. Because love knows that the standard for joy is what? Truth. So I don't mention error. I don't have to mention error. Think about it. Fruit of the Spirit is love. Okay, out of that, what's the first one? Love. Joy. When fruit of the Spirit is born out, what is the first thing you see in a person? Woohoo! Love. So there it rejoices when truth is taught and it rejoices when truth is lived. Love. Now listen, I'm going to conclude this because I want you to think about where we're at right now. You go through it and you think, oh my goodness. Truth and life and commandments and walk in it and patient. Okay, let me tell you something about love that we have missed in this country today. Okay. All right, remember, it's a verb. It's an action. It is done when the person is overwhelmed by the person of the Holy Spirit. That's what it is. Right? Love is not for the half-hearted. Okay? Love is not for the sentimental. Okay? Love is the most difficult thing that there is. 
Listen, love is not weak. Love is not faint. Listen, if you want to see strength, where would you see it? Love. Because it will endure all things. It will bear all things. It covers all things. It takes the most discipline. It takes the most commitment. It takes the most faith of anything that I have ever discovered in the Bible. Is to live by love. It isn't what you and I used to think it was. It's difficult. And the only way you're going to see the manifestation is that if you start rejoicing when truth is taught and truth is walked. Because when you see those two, if, if you're exposed to truth, where's self? Do you know how often self-esteem is taught in the church? Every time the door is open. But love doesn't seek its own. Well, you have a very poor self-esteem. Nope. That's one of the strongest people, one of the most committed people, one of the most disciplined people, one of the most joyous people you'll ever witness. Interesting concept, don't you think? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your church. Lord, you have brought that all together. That we, earthen vessels, clay pots, the discards, the weak, the foolish. May all be drawn together for the manifestation of the Most High God, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords to a lost and dying world. Father, who is adequate for such a thing but you and you alone? Father, overwhelm us with your presence. Overwhelm us with your love. Father, may your people, your true people, the true people, may they rejoice when truth is taught. Father, may they rejoice when truth is walked. May we remain in your commandments. Christ, Christ alone. Amen.